So my next question for you is, as you've been doing this research and having PTs be functioning in this role, have you noticed any adverse events or any PTs who are missing things? Because I think that's a concern sometimes our physician partners have is that this is the emergency room. So what have you found? We've done a few concordance studies looking and, and we, we did show that, you know, in terms of the diagnostic ability and the way that they, that physiotherapists diagnose patients, you know, they're highly concordant to MSK specialists. Usually physiotherapists are, you know, the best healthcare provider compared to MSK specialists in terms of, you know, their ability to, to accurately diagnose MSK disorders. Hi, I'm Dr. Rebecca Griffith, the EDDPT, and welcome back to another episode of In the ED Now, a podcast that makes you an exceptional physical therapist in the emergency department. Today on this episode, we have with us Dr. Francois Demont, a Canadian physical therapist and researcher who's done extensive work in the area of emergency department physical therapist practice. He's going to talk to you a little bit about what it means to be an advanced practice provider in the ED, as well as comparisons between physical therapists and other musculoskeletal experts in the field of differential diagnosis and patient management in this setting. Don't miss this discussion on the future of EDPT practice. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. You're in the ED now, and I'm really happy to have here with me today, Dr. Francois Demille. Welcome to the show. How are you? Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing good. How about you? Great. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then really, how did you get into emergency PT research? Because I think that's what everybody really wants to know. I, uh, well, you know, I, as, as some of you might know, I'm, I'm based in Canada. I'm in Montreal. So I'm, I'm trained as a physiotherapist and I've been a physiotherapist for the last uh, almost 25 years. And I've been doing research uh, quite a bit uh, on MSK problems and, you know, looking at efficacy of different types of treatments for MSK disorder. And then at some point I was interested into uh, new roles for physiotherapists and, and I've been actively working and collaborating with people across the world in terms of looking at, you know, the use of physiotherapists and more autonomous role, what we often call advanced practice physiotherapy. And that includes also using physiotherapy, uh, physiotherapists and advanced practice roles in the emergency department, because that's, you know, that's, that's a big part of, of I see as, as where the profession uh, can grow in terms of, you know, uh, improving access to care and, and you know, and, and moving physiotherapists as you would call them, you know, full autonomous primary care providers for our populations. Yeah. So that's pretty much my background. I did a master in physiotherapy and now did a, I did afterwards at a, a PhD in epidemiology and health service research, did my postdoc on advanced practice uh, also. So yeah, that's pretty much where I come from. That's awesome. So I, I've been hearing with a lot of podcast interviews late, recently, everyone's talking about PTs as primary care providers, as advanced practice providers. What is your definition of an advanced practice physiotherapist? So, so the, the, there's there's a few definitions uh, internationally in terms of what we call about that practice. And if people want to read the, the full definition, I would I would. Uh, I would recommend that they go and see on the World Physiotherapy website. There's there's a definition there. It's a very broad definition, 
we I actually participated in the end this and the creation of this definition. But what we call about advanced practice roles is usually roles where advanced practice physiotherapists are positioned in a new model of care, and often it it, it implies uh, you know a new role that substitutes a, a traditional role that was previously done by by a physician, and you know so they'll be they'll be providing care within their scope of practice, which is physiotherapy, but often, you know, it'll extend that scope of practice and they'll also have med, for example, medical delegated acts that, are, that usually would have been, you know, traditionally performed by, by, by physician, right? So that's pretty much how I, you know, the very a, a simpler way of saying what advanced practice physiotherapy is, yeah. That's awesome. Do you think somebody has to be an advanced practice physiotherapist to practice in the emergency department? Because I think you have the research to back it up, right? Well, I, I, I mean, obviously there are physiotherapists who are not defined as advanced practice physiotherapists working in the emergency department. And I think that's fine. I think that, you know, physiotherapy has, has a very strong role to play within emergency department. If you're positioning physiotherapists within the emergency department as primary contact provider within the ED, I think there's added responsibilities and risk in, in being a, a more autonomous provider, especially in the emergency department. And that, you know, that falls within the scope of advanced practice physiotherapists. How you acquire the competencies to be the uh, to have this APP role, depending on on the settings and and, and countries, is, is might be quite different. And sometimes that those competencies can be just you know acquired through experience and you know and just training across your professional life. But uh, in other settings, you'll see, you know, the advanced practice roles will be recognized and standardized and there'll be like a recognized title and also the, the training will be standardized also. So we see, we see, you know, across the world, we see very different ways to, to, to become APPs within the emergency department, for example. Yeah. So with your research in the emergency department, what have your findings been? I mean, you've done a lot of work in this area. So what do you think is, are the most important things for people to know based on how, what work you've done? Well, you know, if, if you go across the world and you look at, at advanced practice physiotherapy in the emergency department. So one of the first things that, you know, we see in a lot of countries is the fact that a lot of people with MSK disorders do show up in emergency departments. So in itself, you know, having physiotherapists within the emergency department is quite logical, you know. Depending on the, on, on the countries, you'll see like between 30 to 40% of, of patients with MSK disorders presenting to the emergency department. So that's a lot of patients, right? And what we also see, and I'm not trying to, I'm not doing any physician bashing here, but we do know in, in, in Canada and in the States and Ireland and UK and Australia that physicians are not necessarily, you know, fully trained to take on, you know, in a very efficient way, minor MSK disorders. So they'll you know, they'll assess the patient, they'll make sure that there's no fracture and the patient, you know, overall health is, is fine. And they'll, they'll send the patient back home. 
But these patients with MSK disorder, even though they're minor MSK disorders, we know that they need more than that to be efficiently cared for. And that's why I think physio have such a great role to play into, uh, into an emergency department because they're highly trained professional that can, you know, assess adequately and treat in a very efficient way these MSK disorders. And overall, if you look at the, at the evidence, and we're not talking about just uh, in the emergency department, but we know that, you know, overall healthcare system and the way that we treat patients with MSK disorder at this, at this time is not very good. And if you compare the the, tra- the competencies of physiotherapists to other healthcare providers in prime in in the primary contact roles, you know they 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 have the basic training to do a very good job in terms of tre- treating these sort of patients. So we've been looking extensively at the competencies of physiotherapists and the way that they can you know actually. Uh, treat very efficiently patient in the emergency department and there are great benefits of having a physiotherapist in the emergency department in advanced practice roles obviously the first one is that you know uh, across the globe emergency departments are usually you know uh, overcrowded so wait times are a big issue and they're understaffed and physicians are the burden for physicians is important so having uh, another resource, adding resources to treat specifically minor MSK disorders with physiotherapists does increase access to care. So that's pretty much what we, I mean, it, it, it's been the main driver to uh, that, that promoted the, the implementation of advanced practice physiotherapy in all settings, not only emergency department, but in primary care, and in specialized care, either orthopedic, rheumatology, or physical medicine, you know, we implemented advanced practice roles because we wanted to increase access to care. But after after doing that for many decades now in certain countries, what we see is the is the fact that these models of care do increase access to care, and that's what we wanted. But they also have many more benefits, and that includes you know overall increasing you know, the better outcomes for patient in terms of pain and, redu- and, and, and reduction of disability and also satisfaction with care. And also if, uh, in terms of the efficiency of care, we see that physiotherapists uh, uh, resource use such as imaging and, and use of uh, medical prescription and stuff like that, you know, are usually reduced when we're using advanced practice physiotherapists in, in these models. And that includes also in the emergency department. Yeah. I think that is a big concern that a lot of people have. And when you talk about efficiency of care and access to care, those are definitely issues that we also have in the United States, obviously, maybe for different reasons. But access to care has been a huge issue. But a lot of people that are trying to implement their practice in the emergency department get this pushback, like, you're going to make everything slow down, you're going to decrease our ability to get patients through the ED, it takes too long, we don't have time for that. So you're saying physical therapists really are a more efficient way to use care, even if it might not seem that way. Well, you know, it's it, it, it. There's two things to that. So, I mean, we want to treat these patients, you know, in a in a more in an efficient manner, so that we can 
take care of their pain and their disability, and we want to increase uh, access to care. And the way that physiotherapists do that is a bit different from what we usually see going on in emergency department, you know, like a consultant, a cons consultation with a physician, if you're, if you're showing up with a minor skin disorder, it's going to be quite short, usually. And, and that's fine. You know, they're overburdened. The, 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 the healthcare system is set up that way. I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at physicians. That's how that's how things have been. Yes. But using physiotherapists because of their competencies and because we're designing the new models of care with physiotherapists and we give them a bit more time to assess these patients because we know that we need a bit more time to fully assess them properly and to also give them education and give them reassurance and give them proper exercise uh, prescription. And we know that these, these items in terms of patient care for MSK disorder are important. They're evidence-based. So we need to reassure patients with their minor MSK disorder. We need to give them good education in terms of how to manage their pain. And we need to give them exercise. So there's two components to the fact that we're using physiotherapists in advanced practice roles. Like, yes, they are competent and they've got the, the, the skills to, to treat these patients these patient efficiently. But, what, but when we're using physiotherapists, we're also changing the model of care. We're giving, a, we're giving a new healthcare provider within the emergency department, you know, a setup where he has time to fully assess and fully treat these patients in a more efficient way. And we've got a bit of data to support this in terms of, you know, we see that patient outcomes are better. And for example, we've got some pilot data here in Montreal and Quebec where, you know, once we do that and we treat patient in a more efficient way, in a more evidence-based way, that patient will represent less often to the emergency department with their initial complaint because, you know, all their needs have been, you know, more fully assessed in the first time that they that they showed up to the emergency department, and that's that's a big thing, right? So we got a bit of statistics that show like a great reduction in terms of representation. And we're actually doing like a large RCT right now, and we want to. And our our hypothesis is that we're going to be showing this once again that you know using APPs in emergency department will 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 reduce significantly you know representation to the emergency department for uh, for the same complaint well, for those of you listening who are trying to start your practice in the emergency department representation recidivism bounce back those are all kind of the same concept and especially in the United States that's a huge metric that hospitals are measured on is how often patients are coming back for the same complaint. And our published data kind of is similar to what you found. We found that patients were like, I think maybe 20% less likely to come back for any reason if they saw a physical therapist, but were 50% less likely to come back for the same reason if they saw a physical therapist. So if they came in for low back pain, they were 50% less likely to come back with for low back pain. So I think you're... I'm optimistic that your data is going to look good on that because I think it is a huge thing that we do. So many times I'll have patients who maybe have come to the ED six, seven times, but didn't see a PT for whatever reason. Either we weren't there or the physician didn't order it or we just, they got missed somehow. And 
the the revisits kind of stop after that point because partly because they get that hands-on care they get that education but they also get a plan like a plan of what to do next that doesn't just include taking medication or sitting on the couch at home we get them set up with a physical therapist with their primary care doctor we get them on a specialty clinics as they need so i think that's another big role that we can play in that area too so my next question for you is as you've been doing this research and having PTs be functioning in this role, have you noticed any adverse events or any PTs who are missing things? Because I think that's a concern sometimes our physician partners have is that this is the emergency room. This isn't just a clinic. Like you need to know what you're looking for and you need to not hurt anybody and you better not miss anything. So what have you found? So, so there, I mean, we've done a few concordance studies looking and, and and we we did show that you know in terms of, of the diagnostic ability and the way that they that physiotherapists diagnose patient you know they're highly concordant to MSK specialists. So overall, you know, there's quite a few studies done on that where we're comparing you know the concordance, the diagnostic accuracy of physiotherapists compared to MSK specialists, and and the data is pretty is quite compelling. You know, usually physiotherapists are you know the best healthcare provider compared to MSK specialists in terms of, you know, their ability to, to accurately diagnose MSK disorders. So that's one thing. But at the same time, there's not a lot of data, you know, of large court studies, you know, where are you going to be able to have like a significant number of red flag mm-hmm. patients within these court studies where you can see, you can see that the ability of physiotherapists is comparable to physicians or MSK specialists. So there's not a lot of data on that. You know, I'm confident that physiotherapists do a pretty good job in terms of, of picking up the red flags, but the overall evidence is not that it's not, not that conclusive in terms of that because we, we're lacking large numbers of, of patients being assessed you know, and, and, and being enrolled in court studies where we can, we can really you know, be specific about this. There's actually probably just one Australian study, it's a retrospective study, but it wasn't in the emergency department, but it was for MSKs. Uh, it was for various MSK disorder, including, uh, and it was overall allied health professionals uh you know substitute uh, being in advanced practice role in different settings including orthopedics and, and rheumatology and stuff like that but also ots were also included in in, in these advanced practice role they had about ten thousand patients within these uh, uh, specialized clinic where advanced practice uh, professionals were, were were practicing and, and were seeing patients uh, in place of, of physicians, and they did not see any uh, increase in terms of um, adverse events happening because patients were first seen by these advanced practice uh, practitioners. So there's this one study that did show that you know that usually if if uh, if healthcare professional in advanced practice roles, including physiotherapists. Uh, you know, if they're trained well, you know, they seem to be doing as good as physicians. So that's that, that's sort of reassuring, but we're still lacking a bit of data on that in terms of that. So for sure. Yeah. I think that's also hard too, because a lot of these patients may not get follow-up. So we don't necessarily know. No, no. And, and you're actually, you're actually right. And I think the emergency, that's a big question we still need to be able to answer. And actually the Canadian, the large Canadian, uh, 
randomized controlled trial that we're doing, we know that we've already picked up a few red flags within the trial. So I'll, I'll be curious to see the full statistics of this when we're we'll going to be comparing physicians to physiotherapists in terms of having identified, uh, you know, like a, a number of red flags within the, this trial. So I'm, uh, it's a, so I'll keep you posted on this. On these I can't forward, wait. So. I think that you're going to find so many interesting things. I, as part of my fellowship program, I've been required to track my outcomes. And compared to my colleagues that practice in an orthopedic clinic, it's, it's very difficult, right? Like I see a patient one time, like what outcomes are there? So it's been interesting. And one thing that I've been doing as part of that is like going back into these charts and looking at what happened over the next 10 days after I saw that patient. Yeah. Did they come back to the ED? Did they make their follow-up appointment? Did they, have, you know, like what, what other things occurred to that patient? And it's been very interesting to me to see some patients do follow up with outpatient clinic and I can see kind of how their trajectory goes. I had one patient who actually passed away within the next 10 days after I saw them. So I think that's the other thing that in this setting specifically, we just often don't really know what happens to our patients. And that makes it kind of a unique practice setting in that we don't have that long plan of care. We don't know how to measure our effectiveness really over time. Yeah. So yeah, it is uh, certainly the role of that practice physiotherapist and physiotherapist emergency department is a bit different from what we usually do in traditional physiotherapy for sure. So because we're, we're not necessarily following up on these patients, but, uh, but you know, as part of the trial, we're actually, we're, going to be recruiting almost 700 patients, you know, uh, over 700 patients into this trial with uh, an all patient with myonic disorders, and we're pulling them up to six months. And our hypothesis is that, you know, overall after six months, you know, the, 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 the outcomes in terms of pain disability will probably be pretty much similar between, you know, the physician-led care and compared to the APP harm of the trial, but we feel that within the first three months, you know, the, the outcomes of patients should be better uh, with, with APD care than compared to usual physician-led care. So well, I'll, be, I'll be very curious to see this. So, but yeah, because, because the way marriage department physiotherapy is, is set up, you know, we don't see our patient uh, after their 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 first episode of care within the emergency department so that's really an issue yeah yeah it's definitely hard to know how you did over the long term maybe it's easy to know how you did in that moment um yeah but I, but i've also had a couple of follow-ups where like i felt like i didn't really impact that patient and then later on i found out that that like changed the trajectory because they were able to get that follow-up care that they needed uh, yeah. my next question for you is Tell me what it looks like when a patient goes to the emergency room in Canada. So I, I know people in Canada absolutely know what this looks like and how this PT might fit into this, but I know it maybe looks a little different than it does in the United States. Well, so first of all, APP, emergency department physiotherapy is not fully implemented across Canada, right? Okay. So we're, we're seeing it being, being rolled out quite a bit and there's, there's, there's probably like a few uh, a few dozen emergency department across Canada that are rolling out the advanced practice model, and the way that it, it is set up now, as we see, is like physiotherapists are considered are considered autonomous primary contact providers. So there's no 
real problems in terms of legislation, having a physiotherapist assess autonomously a patient that's coming to the emergency department. So we need to have the patient agree to this. So because it's not the usual traditional point of care in some settings, they'll tell the patient coming in, well, you know, you, you, you fit in within, you know, uh, what we call a minor MSK disorder. And if you're comfortable with that, we're not going to be having you see the physician right away. You're going to be able to see the, the physiotherapist. And you might not be seeing the, phys the physician afterwards if the physiotherapist feels that, you know, he can autonomously take care of your condition. So in most settings, that's how it's, it's going to be done. And, and for most patients, you know, for majority of patients, you know, they'll be assessed and treated and cared for autonomously for, by the, the physiotherapist. So physiotherapists do have imaging prescribing, uh, prescription rights uh, within Canada. It changes from province to provinces. But, you know, in Quebec and in, in the province of Quebec and in Montreal, where I'm based, you know, physiotherapists can prescribe autonomously x-rays. If they want other sort of imaging, they'll need to, to, call, they'll need to go back to the physician within the AD and discuss this with the emergency department. But across other provinces, you know, physiotherapists do have uh, imaging, uh, autonomous uh, imaging prescription rights. So they'll be able to do that and assess the patient. In terms of, of, of other medical delegated acts, it'll, it'll be different from provinces to provinces. Sometimes they'll be able to prescribe some medication, mostly basic analgesia and, and, and for example, oral NSAIDs, but that's not the main, that's not the usual thing that we see. So you usually, Physiotherapists will assess the patient, you know, as a primary contact provider within the emergency department. They'll be able to order, or she'll be able to order some sort of imaging if she feels or he feels that it that's required. And if he needs to do some, uh, offer some medical uh, treatment to the patient, then they'll go back to the physician and discuss this with the physician, and to and they'll care, you know, uh, collaboratively with the patient uh, with the uh, with uh, with each other to uh, to care for the patient. So that's pretty much how it works in terms of how patients are assessed within the emergency department. So, yeah. That sounds so much more efficient and streamlined than having to involve multiple providers that might not need to have contact with the patient. Yeah, I uh, and I think we, I mean, there's not a lot of evidence specific to advanced practice physiotherapy for that, but I do, there's a bit of uh, indirect evidence in terms of patient and their and their care pathways and, and their journey within the healthcare system. Having multiple provider and having having more providers sometimes uh, is not necessarily the best way to treat patient. We see that sometimes you know that you'll have conflicting uh, messages giving to the patient and that can actually uh, impact the outcomes of, of mm. patient and then there's a bit of data supporting that in terms of, of MSK disorder. If we're not giving the same, the, the same, having the same uh, information given to a patient, it brings, it, it brings sometimes it, it can impact the outcomes. And so I think that's important. Obviously, I'm all for, you know, working uh, and having interprofessional collaboration within providers to care for patients. But sometimes, you know, if if the condition is fairly straightforward, 
you don't need a lot. Of, you don't need, you know, two or three uh, healthcare providers to care for that patient. And sometimes when you do that, it, it brings, it, it, it's not necessarily the most efficient way of doing things. And it actually can, can be uh, confusing for the patient also. Yeah. And here, I think the other like elephant in the room on that is how much cost that adds to the patient with each yeah. provider into the healthcare system. And when you think about the access issues that we have to care, if people are, if three people are seeing one patient that don't need to be, then we could be freeing up those people to see other patients. So I think that's definitely an area we need to focus. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So a lot of conversation in the physical therapy profession, and I think kind of worldwide is like, how is the PT professions going to be sustainable in the years to come? What are your thoughts on that? Do we need to move to that primary care model? Do we have to do be advanced practice PTs? I've heard PTs say, I didn't sign up for that. I've heard other people say it's been way too long. We should have been doing this 20 years ago. What do you think? Well, I, I, I think, yeah, I've, I've heard, I've heard PTs say this, you know, that they, I mean, they're not, they're not super positive about the fact that we're moving to a more to a more autonomous to more autonomous roles and and making physiotherapy physiotherapists you know a fully uh, primary contact provider. I've seen that, and I, I and I understand you know that some people might be afraid of the changes. You know, it's more responsibility, and we mm-hmm. need to make sure that physiotherapists are adequately trained to do that. I don't think across the world that right now all physiotherapists are ready to be, you know, primary contact provider, a safe and efficient primary contact provider. And being a primary contact autonomous provider is a bit different than direct access. There's a added, you know, risk to being such a provider. And there's and the competencies required to do that. Are, are, are greater than what we've been usually trained physiotherapists just to be part of the direct access model of care. So, mm-hmm. but I do think that that's, that's where we want to go. I mean, at least in Canada, I think there's, I think that, I mean, the way that the healthcare system for physiotherapy is set up in Canada is that we we have very most physiotherapists about sixty percent of physiotherapists work in private practice, right? And mm. about forty percent of Canadians do not have the private health insurance that oh. would allow them to access private clinics. So we've got about forty percent of Canadians that do not have adequate access to physiotherapy. And that's that's a big issue. And obviously, these the, these 40% of Canadians that do not have access to uh, to to health, to private healthcare insurance are the ones who probably are the most in need of of that sort of care, right? You know, because yeah. they're under underprivileged population, you know, lower income uh, population. So they're usually the ones that are, you know, are, are, are most in need of, 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 of care because their health condition is usually poorer and, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, so I do think that we need to move from this. We need to become a primary contact provider. And that's one of the big shifts that we're seeing here is that we're moving back physiotherapists into the public healthcare system. So that's pretty much, so emergency department is, is obviously where we're seeing a lot more physiotherapists, uh, uh, you know, job posting appearing across 
Canada, but also into primary uh, primary health care uh, teams, right? You know, with family physicians and 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 family health teams. So physiotherapists are being integrated again into these these groups, which um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there were very very few physiotherapists within these. Uh, these uh, family physician groups and now we're seeing more and more physiotherapists being there so if they're if they're into these groups you know it means that they can you know see patients you know that did not have access to physiotherapy before so i think that's that's i feel that's something that's very important for the profession that we can be we can be uh, you know professional that can you know, offer care to the entire population uh, of our country. And I think, you know, I, I, it's a bit different in the States, but I think it's, it's it, there's still similarities between, uh, between what's happening in Canada or elsewhere in other uh, publicly funded uh, healthcare systems and, and the States, right? I think you're absolutely right. And I think no matter where we are, we need to grow and move and change and get to where our patients are because... I, I mean, I say this all the time, I'm like a broken record, but physical therapy shouldn't be a luxury. It should be a basic healthcare service sure. that's provided to people all, regardless of their, their ability to pay. But I, I think that opens up a whole nother can of worms. So thank you so much for your time today. I really learned a lot. And I have one more question for you. Like, what do you want to leave people with? Like, what are your parting thoughts you want people to take away? Uh, what are my, my uh, what should I say is, is I think, well, you know, I think we need to, see physiotherapists as you say it's not a luxury it's something it's something that's important to for patient you know and if you look at the evidence now 20 years ago you know we would say to well you know you might try physiotherapy it might help you out and if you look at physiotherapy 20 years uh, today now it's it's part of what we call considered evidence-based care for whole bunch of disorder not just msk disorder mm -hmm. and we're we're now you know key providers and uh, for for a whole bunch of healthcare problems and so we need to take our place and we need our profession to be uh, to be very positive and and to to advocate for this and and, and to make sure that we you know we are working with physicians collaboratively but we need probably to go beyond that and to be, as I said, you know, full primary contact provider with more autonomy for sure. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for being with us. You're in the ED now and you're officially discharged. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. In the ED Now is a podcast hosted and produced by Rebecca Griffith, the ED DPT, as part of Rebecca Griffith Physical Therapy, LLC. Our podcast makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. This podcast is intended for educational use only and is not intended as clinical or medical advice. While we make every effort for accuracy, factual errors may be present. Since you've been in the ED, I'm prepared to give you your discharge instructions. Please subscribe, share, and find more at the eddpt.com. You're officially discharged. Thank you.